630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Panthers and Capitals tied 4-4 in the third. The Penguins have scored three goals in the first nine minutes of the third to tie the Islanders 3-3. Islanders have won 10 straight. Golden Knights just getting on the board. Pacioretty scores 1-0. Vegas leading Toronto with 13 and a half minutes left. Also in the third, Canadians and Flyers 2-2. Rangers up 3-1 on the Hurricanes. Second period, Kings with a 1-0 edge on the Senators. And late in the first period, Chicago leads Vancouver 1-0 to Brinkat with his fifth of the season. Devils and Flames just getting underway. New Jersey here tomorrow to face the Oilers. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad. The game will start at 7. Minute and a half into the second quarter, Thursday night football. Raiders leading the Chargers 10-0. Larry writes into 6.30, he says, hey, Reed, I predict the Eskimos players will give up on Jason Moss and have a lousy game and lose. P.S. I will not renew if he's back. That is from Larry. Well, Larry, hopeful, hopefully you will renew your vows to inside sports, though, as we continue to move along. I, I, did, I don't know if, if some of the new listeners know that. We actually make, uh, if you listen for a certain length of time, you have to take vows proclaiming your commitment to the show. Love and marriage. Love uh, and marriage. All right. Oh, another texter says Eskimos will win 33-24. I, I apparently am the most pessimistic person in the city about the Eskimos' chances on Sunday. Eh, I think it'll be close, but I, I, I'm signed with the Eskies on this one. But. Well, I'm cheery for the Eskimos. I want yeah. the Eskimos to win. Don't get me wrong. Uh, objectively, I, I just think uh, Montreal's been, been better and, and will be better. But again, this is one of those I, I hope I'm wrong scenarios. Hey, this is pretty cool. You can go to the uh, contest page on our website and you can enter to win a pair of tickets to the FIBA Olympic pre-qualifying tournament. This is for women's basketball coming to Edmonton the 14th to the 17th at the Expo Center. So this will qualify teams for the qualifying tournament for 2020. So you got to qualify to get in the qualifying turn. Well, they got to pair down the field. The Canadian mm-hmm. women's basketball team, their home base is Edmonton, hosting this tournament. Pretty cool. It is great basketball if you get to go. So go to the 630 Shed Contest page, enter to win a pair of tickets. This has nothing to do mm. with the 3x3 debacle. Right. We talked about, uh, I guess, well, we had Paul on Monday, or Paul, Paul was on on Tuesday from Basketball Alberta. And we talked about it on Friday as well. And I see it's getting picked up more yeah. now in the national media too. It'd be worth it to uh, go check out Kia Nurse in action live because she is a superstar. Outstanding player. A lot of good players on the on the Canadian team. So there you go. Go to the 630 Shed Contest page to uh, try to win that. Good stuff. You text 630-630. Our phone number is 780-496-0063. A little more here on the, on the Oilers. If you missed the news today, Colby Cave sent to Bakersfield. Thomas Yurcho waived. So he'll go to Bakersfield if he is not claimed by another team. The Oilers paring down the number of forwards that they have because Josh Archibald likely to play tomorrow. Same deal with Riley Shane. Interesting note today. I want to get to this. It's something Rob and I have been uh, asked about. Uh, on overtime open line, and I, I will see. We'll, we'll see. Dave Tippett was asked today. Jim Matheson asked the question: Would you put Ethan Bear on the first power play unit? The Oilers have five left shots 
on the first power play so they don't have the, the natural one-timer with a right-handed shot? We consider it, yeah, consider it. I, I agree with you in the fact that, that uh, we don't have enough shot or middle shot presence out there. Now, that being said, you got some pretty good guys on the flanks that are making some plays there, but if that's all you do, then teams defend it easier. So uh, we've touched on a lot of different aspects of that, of finding ways to get more pucks to the net. And uh, the difference between a left-hander and a right-hander there might help us in that situation. Well, they've considered it. Coaches consider everything. I think we all know that Evan Bouchard eventually is going to be the Oilers' power play point man, and he's a right-handed shot. He's at least a year away from being on the team. Could you give Ethan Bear a chance there? Why not? I, and I have nothing wrong with what Clefbaum does. I think he's a pretty good passer. I, I think he has a, a decent shot. Clefbaum's pretty good at keeping pucks in on attempted clears. But there are days where the the power play just doesn't click. And and let's face it, you, you have a bunch of guys on that power play who are really unselfish and who want to pass the puck into the net. And they could use that fireway mentality, and they could use a right shot there somewhere. Oh, Chase on gets the odd cameo there. He's a net front presence. You, you could use somebody who could rip it from the outside with the right shot. The year they made the playoffs in 16-17, Mark Letestu jumped in there and just said, okay, no one else is going to one-time the puck. I'm going to do it. Bear up top, right-handed shot. I wouldn't be against seeing it. Tippett says they have considered it. Sam Gagne, top line yesterday. Looks like tomorrow he'll be a healthy scratch. That's the good thing about Sam. He he can play in a lot of different roles. He's a smart player. And he's one of those guys, that there's two or three games, you try to grab him at that peak, and he can give you something, and then drops off somebody else and jumps up there a little bit, you know. So it's uh, Sam's a smart player. He understands the game. He he can jump into different roles, and uh, and that's really that's that's his role on our team. So one day he can jump in there and feel like he's... You know, jump in with those guys, gonna make plays with those guys, and the other day, the next time, we're looking for something different. It's just, it's just the way it's gonna go for them. Well, and I think this, we could see a lot of players cycled through positions on the top two lines. I think Cassian is going to be very close to a mainstay with McDavid and Drysaddle. I do think he's earned it. He has the speed. He has better hands than I than I thought he had. Uh, nice finish on that goal last night. He did go 13 games without a goal, but he's got four 17 games into the season. I mean, he's looking to get, you know, around around 15, which would be fine for, for his expectations. Hopefully there aren't long droughts. But then, I unfortunately, and this gets back to the problem with the second line, Nugent Hopkins is going to be the center. I think Neil will be there most of the time. And then I think Tippett is, is looking at who might have a good two- to four-game burst that could that could give something. I would imagine Nygaard will get a chance to go in there when he comes back simply because he's fast. Chason's having a really tough year. Chason's have, having a, a really tough year. I, I would have thought that he's somebody who could go in there at least occasionally and, and maybe help. He's having a tough time. Brian on line one. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Reed. Yeah, like, you know, here's my one problem with the Oilers' power play right now is when, when, they, were, when they were hot in the you know, first eight, nine games, they seem to be shooting the puck a lot more. Now it just seems like they're trying for the pretty goal. Uh, how, what's your take on that? Yes, they. I, I still think they they 
pass too much. They, now, they also have not been entering the zone as cleanly, and I think that's because teams have devised a bit of a plan to try to seal off McDavid and force him maybe into areas he doesn't want to go, even though he's still very fast. But, the, I mean, Dreisaitl has more of a shooting mentality than maybe he might have a couple years ago. But, yes, they, they, if they, even if they win a faceoff, they take too long to get the puck on net. So maybe you need somebody that is just, you know, maybe Bear is just going to say, okay, Ethan, you've never been on an NHL power play before. If you want to stay I mean, on it, shoot the puck. Just shoot it, it every time you get it. If you, if you watch the, like, the Pittsburgh power play, just for an example, it was, it was, if it was on their stick for like five seconds, it was a quick, you know, it, it, they might have passed it still, but it was quick passes, keeping keeping the uh, the, uh, the penalty killers off, you know, on their toes or out of balance. And, it, it, you know, there's been other times where uh, the other night, uh, last night, there was a two-on-one, uh, Gagne, uh, I believe it was Gagne and, um, and Dreisaitl. And he tries passing it, with, yeah, and the defenseman's in the perfect position to block the shot rather than taking the shot and hoping for a rebound. Well, Rob's made that point that as great as they are at passing, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they have passed on every single two-on-one this season. Like, eventually someone has to shoot just so there's tape of them shooting and other teams respect it a little bit. And then back to the power play, Brian, how is James Neal going to score on the power play? I think on redirections and rebounds. So if he's not scoring, if he's not getting chances on the power play, is that James Neal's fault, or is that because the puck's not going to an area where he can do something with it? Well, here's the one thing that I've noticed about Neal. Again, when he was still hot, getting those power play goals and that, he was standing in front of the goalie, screening him almost on a consistent basis. Now he's been standing off to the side. Which is, which is not, that's what Lucic used to do, and it drove Rob crazy. Exactly. too. All right. You know, so that way you're not going to get a redirect. You're not going to get a, a deflection in that. You might get a rebound, maybe. Thanks, Brian. Take care. That's Brian, 780-496-0063. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll bring in Corey Massasak, who covers the New Jersey Devils. Dreadful start, doing better lately as they take on the Flames tonight. Devils and Flames scoreless seven minutes into the first period. Devils and Oilers on this very radio station tomorrow. Corey Massasak covers the Devils for the Athletic. Corey, welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Uh, we're, you know, I, I'm doing pretty well. <laughs> how are you? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm doing well. I, I guess the, the question is, how are the New Jersey Devils doing? A, a couple wins in a row, finally. They, they've had some heartbreaking losses, including one to the Oilers a, a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know they, you know they they started the season, uh, you know with six straight losses, and you know obviously there was a lot of panic. Um, this was supposed to be a, a different kind of season than the ones that they've been used to the most of the past five or six years. But they really, if you break the season into two halves at this point, the last seven games have have all been pretty good. Uh, I mean, honestly, maybe the maybe the worst game they played was a one nothing win against the Canucks. Um, so, the, you know, they, I think they've, you know, ba- basically they, they figured some things out, some things they were, that needed fixed, particularly in their own zone. And they've, they've played much better over the course of these games. And, you know, I think they're, 
they're four, one, and two in the last seven. Um, I mean, they're not going to keep that pace up the rest of the year, but this is certainly more more of what they were expecting. I found it very interesting uh, last week. They had that uh, wild loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, Taylor Hall said after the game it was it was tough to hear the fans uh, booing the power play and. And he, yeah, I think he kind of said, well, if they want to boo at the end of the game, fine. But the, the in-game booing was, was tough to take. What, what did you make of, uh, of Hall's comments? Yeah, I, um, I mean, the thing that I made from him even like immediately was, well, you know, the fans are probably going to get a little upset about this. But that was, you know, Taylor being the kind of the honest and insightful player that he normally is. I mean, I, I talked to him about it the very next day, too, because, you know, I was just, just to see what he thought of the fallout of it and he was like i you know it gets it sucks to get booed and it sucks to lose and that was really all i was trying to say like he i think he was you know i i think he i think the part about the power play was was that was probably the the kind of the 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 point that was gnawing at him the most because the power play was actually doing quite well over the last couple games before that and you know just they had one night where they were they were already had already scored on it and you know just had basically it was just one of those things right where you know the, the puck gets thrown back to the other end a couple times and people get restless and I, I think it just sort of hit a nerve with with some of the players so um you know i mean look he came out and you know he scored a scored a big goal in the very next game uh he's been he's leading the team in scoring he's got i think 13 points in 13 games he's he's not i i still don't think he's quite at the level that he wants to be he's at like very good level he's not at like his peak level but uh you know very good of, with him is still pretty good two high profile acquisitions for the devils were wayne simmons and pk suban simmons just has one goal in 13 games suban has five points in 13 games are are we like waiting for another level from those players is, is there a little worry i mean especially maybe with simmons given he's kind of that power forward stuff that that this is the drop off what's the feeling around simmons and suban yeah, it, you know that's the thing. Like, it, at the, whenever the the season started so slowly, there was a lot of finger pointing at, at the coach and you know at, at other different different players that have been here for a long time. And like I, you know, if you kind of look at the guys who haven't really produced as much as you would expect them to, it's it's some of the guys that they added in the summer. And so, you know, look, it, is it going to take them a little bit longer to kind of settle in with the team? Um, both both those two guys in particular, Subban and Simmons, were, you know, they were both they were both guys who have had down years compared to their normal career production over the last couple of years, and both of them have said, "I had injuries. I feel much better now. They felt great in camp." Um, you know, so we'll see. I don't like, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what's like a good point total to think about for Simmons or for I'm sorry for Subban because uh, he hasn't been on the, the first power play for a while now. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, obviously they're looking for him to have like a big impact at even strength and to, you know, sort of help the team, you know, control possession whenever he's out there. And, and he's been a little bit, he's been hit or miss with that. It hasn't been all smooth sailing with that. I mean, he's, he's been, you know, probably their best defenseman, but he's also being paid like he should be absolutely their best defenseman. So I think, yeah, I, I think there's definitely another half level or so to go with him. And Wayne Simmons is, he's had a bunch of chances you know whether or not it's one of those things where, you know, he's had he's got one goal and forty shots or something like that, and then over the next forty shots he's going to get eight goals and it's going to even itself out. You know, we'll see. But I, you know, I think he's they had him further up in the lineup earlier in the season, and and I kind of always thought that given what they have, 
playing him down in the lineup at even strength, but then also still putting him in front of the net on the first power play unit was kind of his ultimate destiny with this team. And I think they just didn't want to do that right away because he was a veteran and a high-profile addition. And so I, I think once the season sort of started the way they did and everything everything has kind of broke the way it has, I think this is kind of where he's going to settle in. And I think he is going to score more, um, especially because the power play is, is kind of rolling the way it is right now. So, yeah, I mean, whether he gets the 20 goals or 25 goals or whatever it is going to be, I think he'll he'll get pretty close to that, I think, by the end of the year. In net... Schneider having a tough year. Uh, Blackwood now up to four wins. Uh, just tell me a little bit about those two players and uh, how they're going to handle the goaltending here for this back-to-back in Alberta. Yeah, I, so, I mean, that's really, it's one of those things where, like, you know, the team starts slow and everybody's looking to dissect it 37 different ways. And, like, they've had problems up and down the lineup, offensively, defensively, but I mean, none of that matters when the goalies are only stopping 85% of the shots, right? Like, that's just, like, the the analysis sort of stops there whenever the team's, I think it was at one point the team save percentage was 855. Um, so it's gotten better. Like, they've, uh, I mean, you know, basically Blackwood has had, uh, I think, three straight games now. This tonight will be his fourth. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I assume that the Schneider is probably going to play tomorrow night. I think that if for some reason, like if, if Blackwood played really well tonight and didn't have a really heavy workload, maybe they would just keep riding him. But, I mean, they're going to have to use Schneider again at some point, and he's... I was, you know, I, the last time he played, that was, it was that Tampa game, and um, you don't see very many guys with the look that he had on his face after the game in a, in a game that's in, in October, right? Like, it, it's one thing if it's February and you've had a long year and you just sort of, like kind of at a loss for what's going on but it, just, it was just it was stark to see like because he had really since he came back from the, the hip surgery he had a great 10 or 12 games to finish the season last year he had a great world championships a really good world championships let's not say great uh was just phenomenal in the in the uh, preseason had like a 950 save percentage and it was like okay this is you know he's sort of gotten everything back to where he wants to be and you know, we're three or four games into the season for him, and it just isn't it isn't there yet. So, um, yeah, I mean, they added Louis Deming as a, in a trade, and I think he was, I think that was sort of a they kind of needed a veteran number three in Binghamton anyway, but it was also sort of a, you know, a uh, a kick in the pants for the two guys up here in New Jersey that hey, like you know, we're gonna we're gonna look for something else if you guys don't figure this out. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to work here and look forward to seeing you tomorrow at Rogers Place. Uh, should be another exciting one between these two clubs. Yeah, absolutely. It'll be my uh, my first time in the new building, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Corey Massasak covers the Devils for the Athletic. They're looking better lately, and we'll tell you how they're doing in Calgary and a full scoreboard when we get back. This game in Calgary tonight, four minutes left in the first period. Devils leading the Flames 1-0. 
other NHL action. Golden Knights and Maple Leafs going overtime, tied 1-1. Late in the third, Panthers and Capitals tied 4-4. The Penguins have ended the Islanders' 10-game winning streak with a 4-3 overtime win. The Islanders looked like they were going to make it 11, but the Penguins scored three in the third to come back from a 3-0 deficit. Rust gets the game winner, so the Islanders now 11-3-1 on the season. Overtime just starting in Philadelphia. Flyers and Canadians are tied 2-2. The Rangers beat the Hurricanes 4-2. Early in the third, Kings and Senators are 1-1. Start of the second period, Chicago leading Vancouver 2-zip. 17 shots each in the first period. Wow, that's a lot of shots. Six minutes left in the first, Predators and Avalanche tied 1-1. Also six left in the first, Blue Jackets and Coyotes tied 1-1. Later, the Wild take on the Sharks. And three and a half minutes left in the first half. L.A. Chargers lead the Oakland Raiders 14-10 Thursday night football. Uh, th- wow, this this texter says, Oilers management and media partly to blame for sugarcoating entitlement players like RNH for years now. Truth hurts when you're exposed. Wow, the guy doesn't like the nooch. I think if there's any player that doesn't behave entitled... That's Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I've never got the sense Ryan Nugent Hopkins is an entitled player or human being. Uh, you can text 630-630, call 780-496-0063. So, uh, Colby Cave to Bakersfield. Tomas Yurcho on waivers. He'll be assigned to Bakersfield if he clears. Archibald and Shan likely to return tomorrow. They are two of the depth players struggling to score. So I I asked uh, Dave Tippett today and also brought it up with Archibald and Shane as well. You know you have to score. You know you need to score. But is is there a point where you can concentrate on it too much and and make it too much of an issue in your own head? Keep coaching them. Keep coaching them. And some you, uh, every player is different. Some you got to prod a little bit and some you got to tell them, they're doing some good things, but you got to just keep doing it, and it'll come. You know, so every play, every player is different. We, you know, we chart a lot of different things that can help players, or and it can help them in a good way or in a reality way, where they might think they're playing good and they're not playing as good as they think, and then other guys that that uh, are down on themselves, but they are actually creating some stuff that, if they stay with it, it's just a matter of time before hopefully they start going in. So. Every player is different. Yeah, I think you just got to kind of take it one shift at a time, one game at a time. You don't want to think too far ahead and, you know, get a number stuck in your head or, you know, start thinking about it too much. So I think you just got to go out there and do your job. And, you know, like I said, get to the grease areas, get in front. You know, I've seen pucks go off guys' faces and then in the net, you know, and not necessarily say I want want that to happen, but if it goes off a leg or off my butt in the net, you know, that's that's a good start. So, uh, yeah, just, just doing the right thing and being in the right spot and doing the little things right. You look at it and it's kind of sometimes it's hard to not focus on it but I mean our team's winning and um, like I said we're, it's hard to do that in this league so everyone can chip in the way they want everyone has a role PK and things like that obviously uh, third and fourth line aren't going to get as many points and you look at that because um, contracts are kind of based on that so uh, he's just got to try to stay positive and keep that mindset and get some bounces. 
All right, a little bit there from Shane Archibald and Tippett. You can get more on the Oilers on 630Ched.com. want to remind you, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a modern twist. Get them online, northchickenyeg.com. So the Oilers game tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7. Sunday morning, 9.30, countdown to kickoff, game at 11, East semifinal, Eskimos at Montreal. This guy has been an outstanding defensive end for the Alouettes for over a decade and he just keeps rolling into his late 30s please welcome to the show john bowman john how are you doing i'm good sir thanks for having me it's great to talk to you tell me what this week is like for you you go through the 18 game regular season it can be a grind and now it's playoff time does, does it feel different for you or do you try to treat it like you're preparing for any other game yeah, for me, uh, and this is what I vocalize to the, to my younger players, treat it like a regular game. I mean, the stakes are higher for sure, but with the external pressure from the media, from TSN, from radio shows, from your families, from your friends, from the city, you know, there's going to be enough pressure on this game already. And if we put pressure on ourselves, more pressure than needed, you know, that's just going to make us uh, not live in the moment. So we treat it like a regular game, uh, approach it, the same way, uh, they're a good team, and we know what we got to do to uh, try to try to compete against them. Well, that leads me into a question just about the the mindset of the team this season. And, and look, John, the the team went through a couple tumultuous changes, uh, you know, right at the end of training camp and early in the regular season, with a coaching change and then the change of a general manager. And I think a lot of people from the outside said, "Oh, it's it's going to be a mess in Montreal. Look at all the crazy <laughs> stuff that's happening." But but that, that never happened. I mean, you guys were exciting to watch. You're in the playoffs. You got a home game. What was it like dealing with some of those distractions early in the year and, and fighting through them? I mean, it was tough because, you know, like you said, everybody's, oh, oh it's the same uh, garbage fire, dumpster fire house, you know, and we want to not prove them wrong, but prove, prove ourselves right. You know, we knew going into camp we had put a, a few pieces together and we had a chance to be better than what we've shown in a, in a while here in Montreal. So we wanted to prove to ourselves that we can do it and, uh, you know, minimize the outside noise. You know, the firing and the firings and everything, we can't control that. only thing we can control was the way we prepared, you know, our effort and intensity at practice, our focus, and uh, how we approach the game. That's the only thing you can control. So we, we tried to focus on those things, and we let the chips fall what it may. John, you're you're a veteran player, but but you did reference talking to some of the younger players on the team. And every athlete I interview, whether they're a past, uh, you know, a retired athlete or a current athlete, they talk about belief and they talk about confidence. W- was there a point this season where you kind of thought, yeah, like like this group believes? It's not just lip service. We're not just saying we believe. Like we we actually believe. This is a this is a sturdy, confident group. Was there, was there a moment for you or maybe a couple games where you really thought uh, the guys were humming in that regard? Yeah, and it's, it's going to sound very strange and people are going to listen to it and say, yeah, right, whatever. But when we played in Hamilton, we lost by 30 or something like that. I can't remember the final score. But we felt like it was a better game than the score dictated. You know, we did some good things on defense. We did some good things on offense. We just didn't finish drives, you know, and, and we watched the film. You know, you throw this stat book away. You know, we watched the films, watched our compete level, and we said, hey, if this is the best team uh, in the in the East or whatever, and we can show 
we can compete with them. It, it didn't pan out. The score didn't pan out correctly. If we show we can compete with them, then we can, p- can compete with everybody. And then uh, week three, uh, I think we had a home game, forgot who we played, and we ended up winning. And one win led to two, and two led to three, and, you know, and things sort of rolling the right, right way for us. And our thing wasn't about wins and losses, and Sahari preach, preaches every day, and, and this is kind of the way I was brought up. You know, you don't look at the stat book. You don't look at the scoreboard. If you compete and, and put it out on the on the field, leave everything on the field, let the score end up where the score ends up. And and, and, and at the end of the whistle, the final whistle, then you see what happens. You know, you can't worry about little things. You can't worry about, oh, I don't have any sacks, I don't have any catches or anything during the game because that's going to take your focus off the moment. So we lived in the moment. Uh, you know, a lot of close games that could have went either way, but fortunately, a few more went our direction. And uh, and this is how we, this is what we put out this year. John Bowman from the Montreal Alouettes joining us tonight on Inside Sports. John, I want to ask a little bit about your journey. You are uh, one of the uh, longest-serving current players in the CFL. You turned 37 this summer. You've you've been an East All Star multiple times, including this year. What is well, maybe I shouldn't ask you what the secret is because if it's a secret, you might not tell me. But I'll, I'll put it that way. What, what is the secret to your longevity in a sport where sometimes careers don't last very long? No, for sure. I mean, it's not really a secret anymore. It's like, first of all, it's for me, it's my mental capacity. You know, what can I... If Mentally, if I couldn't do it, if I can't convince myself that I can go out here and play football against these 300-pound guys, and going against 22-year-old, 20, 22-year-old competition breathing down my neck. If I can't prepare for my for that mentally in the offseason, then then I can't play. So that's, for me, the, the first thing that the factors in my mind. Secondly is physical physical ability. You know, if I, physically, if I can't compete, and, and for sure I don't have the same amount of sex as I once had, but I'm still competing. And for me, that's the most important thing. If I can't compete and show the ability – to not only, not even talking about getting to the quarterback, but to play the run or to get back up as I get hit hard or to run after the ball. If I can't do that, then for sure I don't need to be playing. So mentally for me first and secondly is, is, is the ability to compete. And third is, is how you take care of your body. You know, your body's just going to give you what you put into it. And I've been focusing on that for the last three, three years majority for the most part. Because when I was younger, uh, I can eat McDonald's and, <laughs> and go out there and play. So it's definitely, definitely nutrition and with your regimen, your, your stretching, your your cryo, your you know your massage, your workout, how you go to the gym, everything that goes into your body and the, the way that that's what's going to affect the way you produce on the field. All right. Well, I won't bother sending you that uh, delivery of chicken nuggets to your locker before the game on Sunday to, to fatten you up. I'll I know. eat them after the game, so, <laughs> so you can bring them. <laughs> yeah, also, your journey as a Montreal Alouette to me is an interesting one, John, because the, the team was outstanding, going to the Great Cup almost every year. You had one of the greats of all time with Anthony Calvillo. And then, like you kind of referenced, the last few years weren't that great, and now maybe it's on the... Uh, on the uptick again. Tell me just a little bit about that. You know, we're riding, riding through the good times, riding it out through through the bad times. Tell me about being a football player in Montreal through, I guess, a couple of different, very well-defined eras. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, I can't say fun, but it's been, it's been eye-opening. You know, like you said, I, I came in here during the glory days. You know, five great cups in four, four great cups in five years, and then 
couple of uh, Eastern finals that didn't pan out our way, and then it's been some down years. But, you know, I, I appreciate every moment because the CFL is, is, is tough. You know, since I've been here, every team has been up and down. Calgary, when I first got into the league, was like three, four-game winners. You know, and then 2008, they, they went on a streak that lasts until now where they've been amazing. You know, Edmonton wasn't very good. Hamilton, we talk about, is one of the best teams. Now, I don't think they've won a great cup since I've been here. So it's not it's not every team goes through its ups and downs. And for us, it just so happened to happen to coincide with the retirement of a legend. And, and to say there wasn't a, a, a backup plan for when he retired, you know, that's beyond my scope. But, you know, we were left, you know, searching for a few years and, cohesion and everything is tough to come by in the CFL. It's a league that, you know, coaches grow from and use as a stepping stone or players grow from and use as a stepping stone. So to get cohesion and, and people who want to stay together for for a good run is tough in, in the league. Uh, but, you know, I'm very appreciative of the time I've spent here. Uh, not one not one moment I can say, well, I wish I wouldn't have signed back with Montreal because, you know, without this city, without the Alouettes, there's no John Bowman. So, I appreciate everything that I've been through. You know, the down years, the the last four years have made me appreciate the first uh, eight, you know, seven, eight, nine years of my of my career. You know, I appreciate those moments way much more. And I've learned a lot. I learned how to become a a leader through the through the last four years. You know, we and we've had good teams, but just something happened that stopped us from clicking and and, and putting. Uh, wins together, you know. You know, uh, we had Vernon before. You know, what's the difference between Vernon now and Vernon four years ago when he first came? Three years ago when he first came to the Montreal. So it's it's just the timing wasn't right, and and, and we were in our down spell. So hopefully, this is the start of something good for the Alouettes and and uh, something they can build on. We can build on for years to come. All right, last one is about the Eskimos. You're facing them on, on Sunday. You've seen Trevor Harris as a rival within your division for the last several years. Just tell me a little bit about facing Trevor from your perspective as uh, as an opponent. What are some of the challenges he presents? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's uh, before the snap, he's one of the smartest quarterbacks, you know, that I've played against. You know, he's right up there with the Bo Levi's and, and the Rileys and, and, you know, and that, the caliber of guys that's in the league now. So, you know, before the snap, he makes his decision. He's a rhythm quarterback. So, you know, he processes the defense ahead of the ball. He gets the ball and gets the ball out of his hands the fastest. Uh, I've seen in a while. <laughs> so getting to him is tough. But, you know, uh, and he's tougher than what people give him credit for. He's, he's more athletic than what he looks in the pocket. Great number choice, by the way, in the number seven. Uh, and he's a good dude. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a fighter. He's competitive. And he, he plays a, a good game of football, so it's going to be a tough victory. I mean, a tough victory. It's going to be a tough game on Sunday, and whoever wins, you know, is, they're going to earn it. You know, we, we're not. I'm not going to say we're going to win. I'm going to say we're going to go fight and, and try to win. And uh, and I'm sure they're saying the same thing. And we're, we're not going to give this game away. And I know they're not. So uh, whoever's going to win this game on Sunday is definitely going to earn this victory. Well, John, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for sharing some uh, reflections on on how you've got to this point in career and and looking ahead to the game Sunday as well. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Interesting guy. Very good interview. That is John Bowman, defensive end for the Montreal Alouettes. Notice, Kellen, I didn't wish him luck. 
I, I didn't want to do that, but a r- really good interview. And he's had an outstanding career for the Oilers, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. 7.51, uh, I got a text here from Chad I want to read when I get back. Final look at the scoreboard, Inside Sports on Chad. All right, Chad texts into 63630. He says, hey, read that text earlier about Ryan Nugent Hopkins really grinds my gears. Every year, as soon as there is any sign of struggle or after a few losses, there are fans, and Chad puts fans in quotation marks, who need a scapegoat to blame. It happened with Eberle and plenty of other players. Nuge needs to bring more this season, yes, but we know he is capable of bringing it. I believe he is far from being entitled. He's simply the next scapegoat for nervous fans. Thanks. That is from Chad texting 63630. Appreciate your feedback chat devils lead the flames one nothing after the first period blue jackets and coyotes one one after one also after the first avalanche leading nashville two one in the second period chicago up two one on the canucks in the third ottawa up two one on the kings finals rangers beat the hurricanes four two flyers over the habs three two in overtime penguins over the islanders four three in overtime capitals beat the panthers five four in ot and another overtime game maple leafs edge the Golden Knights 2-1. Later, the Wild play the Sharks. At halftime, Oakland leading the Los Angeles Chargers 17-14. All right. Tomorrow, 5.30 face-off show. The game is at 7. Devils and Oilers right here on 6.30. Chad, a lot of live sports this weekend. Sunday, 9.30, countdown to kickoff. Game at 11. Eskimos, Alouettes. Sunday, 5.30 in the afternoon, face-off show. And then Oilers and Ducks at 7. We have you covered. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. He's on his way to Montreal tomorrow to cover the game. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a great evening. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.